0: This week we look to honor mothers and the women in our life that have had such an impact on us because it is Mother's Day. And this sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, May tenth, two 2015. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Once a year we'll play that hymn. The same guy who wrote the words for that song, I think is the same one, Yaroslav, is how you say his name. He wrote um, Now the Silence, which is again a super difficult him to sing, but again, one of my favorites. He's good with words. He did the words for Go My Children as well. I think they're pretty good. Uh, we are starting a, not a new series, but a new, we're talking about Magnificent Mothers, or a, In Honor of Mothers is what we're talking about today, as we uh, kind of talk about mothers. We don't get to do this every single year, and we're going to do it in a specific section in the Bible, probably the most famous section of the Bible, Psalm 31. So uh, we're going to just jump into it. I just heard an anecdote about, uh, this is about George Herbert Walker Bush, this is the old George Bush, so George Bush, the story goes that they were driving in Texas, maybe you've heard this, they're driving in Texas, they had the whole motorcade going along, and they stop at a gas station, and they get out, and the guy is really excited to fill their gas, so he fills the gas up in the vehicles, and uh, really excited, but then Barbara recognizes the man, this is Barbara Bush? So if people are confused, so Barbara gets out and gives him a big hug and and they chat it up a bit and and gets back in the car and George has a smirk on his face and and she's like what he's like that was an old boyfriend wasn't it and she said yes it was and he goes hmm. you could have been married to a gas station attendant if you never met me and she goes don't be silly George if I married him he would be president so so. Now, is that anecdote true? I really don't think so because I've actually heard it with every administration that, since George W. Bush. That's the first time I heard it and I've heard it through, through the whole way. So I don't know if that's necessarily true. But the, the concept, I think, is true that there in, in our lives, there are people that have upheld us. There are people that have pushed us. There are people that have encouraged us to do things that we probably never thought we would do without that person in our lives. And you can look at example. I'll give you just in relationships. Um, a friend of mine named Chopper Uh, A friend of mine, his name is Chopper, that's his nickname, that's from when I was part of a motorcycle gang. That's not true either. He was 11 pounds when he was born, and now he's an average person, but uh, he was 11 pounds, so he was like just a round ball, and they called him Pork Chop, and then that stuck for life. So Chopper and I were observing, this is in high school, we were pretending we were cool, like leaning against the lockers, observing the the relationships, the romantic relationships in high school, and we came to this conclusion, we absolutely had to find a low-maintenance girlfriend. Because there's like the world, there's like princess girlfriends, and then there's the low-maintenance girlfriends, and this would be the ideal. So we thought this is a fantastic idea, unless, of course, if our girlfriend was low-maintenance, that meant we were high-maintenance. And I don't, but the point of all this is not that you're now trying to figure out your spouse, and you're like, is my spouse more on the Land Rover kind of end of things, or is it more Toyota Corolla? You know, like is this... And it it doesn't make for romantic cards either. You know, I could write, My dearest Amy, you remind me of a Maytag washing machine. Now, it would be a high-end one, you know, front-loading and very beautiful, but, you know, you kind of lose some of that. But there's this idea, um, even in our, uh, as we pick and talk about people who go to start churches, missionaries, their spouse is a huge factor in that equation and how before they get sent to a foreign country, before they get sent to start churches, it's hard enough work. It's work that kind of goes up and down and up and down. The importance of a, a solid spouse that is there to hold them up is a huge, huge deal. If you take a look kind of at, at the people you've had in your life, and it could be, you know, life's a team sport. It could be coaches, it could be employers, it could be all these people. My guess is there's probably no one who has had a bigger influence in your life than your parents. That's a guess. And so today we talk and just spend some time talking about the celebration of um, good mothers that have been in our life. And the way we're going to do that is in Psalm 31. Psalm 31 is really unique. Just in literature, it's unique. And it's 3,000 years old. So this goes all the way back to Solomon when he's writing this. It's 3,000 years old, and it's an acrostic poem. And what acrostic means is the first letter of each of the lines. So if you had a Hebrew Bible, and you'd open this up, and you'd look, the first line, I'm going to do it for you, Actually, with Hebrew, it would go that way, but we won't get technical. Um, So the first line would be like, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet, Hevav, Zain Chetet, Yod, Kaf. So you go right down the line the same way, and then each line would say one fact about um, women in this case. So here's an English example. We can see the letter A. It should be glowing right now, A. A godly woman is to be praised. We're just making this up at this point. Now we have B. See how it's going. Better than life is her love. C is caring and compassionate is C. Do you see the pattern going on? Right. So if you keep this up, eventually you start to talk more and more like Yoda because you have to start with a specific letter. And at some point, someone owns a xylophone, like if we do it in English. But they did this whole poem. And the end of it, they write this whole thing to say, here is a picture, A to Z, of a godly woman. So we're not going to get to every verse. And I took out select verses just to kind of talk through some of these things. Here's their observations. A wife of noble character who can find she's worth far more than rubies. I don't. I don't think this is a statement just to say women of noble character are hard to find. Before you get like kind of fired up about that, I think any even to find a good guy is hard. My daughter's fourteen. Um, she'll start dating what in sixteen years, and I look around at the landscape of guys around. There's not a ton where you're like, yes. It's not like you just go to the mall and I say, hey, pick any of these guys because I think we got a lot of winners here. That is not the case. And I'll just put it to the other end. Their observation is to find a woman of noble character, a woman who has dignity, a woman who um, looks to see what the Lord has taught her, a woman who holds to God's word, a woman who can't you know, squat 400 pounds but holds up the family with... A, what they see as important, which is built on God and God's love and sacrificial love, not about serve, serve me, but I'm going to serve and honor you. That's hard to find, no matter where you look. It says worth far more than rubies. Her husband, Abraham Lincoln, his own mother, died when he was nine years old, said no man is poor who had a godly mother. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. These two kind of concepts go together. Uh, the first one is saying this. When you make this connection of finding this noble person, it's, uh, it's built on an honesty that says you can just leave this person alone. So let me give you an example. Uh, there is a, a text prank by some celebrity, apparently a celebrity. My daughters told me about it. So I looked it up and I've never heard of the guy. But his text prank was this. You were supposed to text your, the person you were dating and say, I have not been fully honest with you, and then not respond for an hour, which is kind of funny, but not funny. The funniest one, and then you're supposed to take a picture of the responses as people are like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, you're killing me here. What's going on? You've got to tell me what's going on, and et cetera, et cetera. One just said, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the person we're talking about here right? When we're talking about a person, uh, the number one character for women when they look for a a man is honesty. And I think it's not, honesty is not that far from the top for guys either. To know that, okay, I can leave a spouse for a weekend and not worry about what's going to be happening. You can give them the checkbook and you're not worried. They can have a credit card when you're gone and you're not worried. Like, are they going to drive this family slowly into debt? It's someone that you're saying, we care about the overarching family and we're going to take care of them. That's the person we're talking about. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like a merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family. A couple things on this one. Uh, My mom, when she characterized, she grew up on a farm. So my mom, South Dakota, grew up on a farm. She's a worker. That's how you describe my mom. She's a worker. And that is like the greatest assessment you can get from my mother she assesses all daughters-in-law. She assesses all people, like if they're a worker or not a worker. You know, raw talent, that's fantastic. Um, I had an intern, and he had a good talent, but he was a worker. And what that's saying is when you look for the, the ideal, this is kind of an idealistic picture of women, if you look for the ideal woman, they're a worker. There's someone who's willing to get, you know, roll up the sleeves and get things done. Here's someone who works. That does not mean that work has to happen Um, just inside the home or outside the home. And I'm a little bit disappointed. I mean, um, I get that sense once in a while. Uh, We have so many people that work outside the home in our culture here, specifically because of cost of living and things like that. I'm a little bit disappointed when there's kind of this disparaging view of moms who say, I'm choosing to stay at home, especially when they have little kids. Um, I don't think I say it as well as G.K. Chesterton. He's a Christian writer, but this is what he says. It's a little bit longer, but stick with me. He says, the daily operations surround a mother with very young children who need to be taught not so much anything, but everything. Babies need not to be taught a trade, but to be introduced to a world. Our race has thought it worthwhile to cast this burden on women in order to keep common sense in the world. But when people began to talk about this domestic duty as not merely difficult, but trivial or dreary, I simply give up the question for I cannot with the utmost energy of imagination conceive what they mean. If drudgery only means dreadful hard work, I admit the women drudges in the home. But if it means that the hard work is heavier because it is trifling, colorless, and of a small importance to the soul, then I give up. How can it be an important career to tell other people's children about mathematics and a small career to tell one's own children about the universe? A woman's function is laborious, not because it is minute, but because it's gigantic. She gets up while well, it's still dark. And everyone who's seen a new mom and seen those eyes, and there's a theory, and I heard someone say, there shouldn't be any mirrors in the house after midnight. They should just, like, shut off and just say you look fine until 7 in the morning because you know what it's like to get up early, you know what it's like to be sleep deprived, you know what it's like to stand and trying to be talking to people and you're so tired you can hardly function and you have the lost years of your life when you say, where was I? We're here to say thanks to those moms. And, and thanks for the, the moms who have upheld us, who have encouraged us, who have not given up on us, the ones who have um, sacrificed so much to say, "This is I want to make you something better. There's a tricky part, though, and I think there's a difficult side whenever you preach on a specific duty or in life. Because this doesn't always bring up awesome memories for everybody. And when you talk Mother's Day, some of you, you're glowing when you think about your own mom that lifted you up and was always there for you. That's not everybody's scenario. Um, some of you have tried to have kids, and it has not worked out. And this brings up a painful mind. It's like Valentine's Day for single people. This is not something you're too excited about. Some of you, as great as everybody's mom was, yours maybe wasn't so awesome. Maybe you lost your mom when you were young, like Abraham Lincoln. Maybe your mom just wasn't that great. And when you jealously, you looked at all the parents and you said, why couldn't I have parents like that? And when I talk about someone lifting you up and encouraging you and doing all these amazing things, that's the very opposite of what your parents did is they undermined you and they didn't encourage you. And in fact, they seem sometimes to sabotage your life. That makes Mother's Day pretty hard, I think. And it makes it a sad time. The thing I think we get when we step back on on any of this is we take a look at um, this is about God's love for you, not just your mother's love for you. Isaiah said it this way. Uh, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have graved you on the palms of my hands. Is it conceivable that a mother could forget their own child? It actually is. That's possible. But God is saying, no matter what, I have never forgotten you and you're engraved on the palms of my hands and you are with me and I will love you and no matter what other outside circulating things have happened, I'm always there for you. Some of you, Mother's Day means you have to look and say it's time to forgive my mother. It's a time to say, I don't I have to say, my mother deserves my love. That's the time of Mother's Day. Some of you, guilt is rising up because you haven't always been the mother you should have been. Some of you, guilt is rising up because you haven't always showed the love that you should be showing to your parents. Mother's Day is the trickle-down effect, right? God has loved you so much that now it's time that we show and express our love for uh, the person in our life called our mother. Uh, It continues, we jump some verses, and uh, we're talking about the praise that we would give this individual. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. This is just a side note, but of the very things that you can give your kids, the the idea of a faith that has been rooted in you, a a mom that, be thankful if you had a mom who went to church regularly, and maybe the reason, I don't think without embarrassment you could say, the reason I'm here is because my mom said this is what I should be doing. That's okay. And it's okay to give thanks to a mom that said this is important, to say that God is important, that God is number one, and this is how we set our priorities as a family. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Uh, watches over in prayer. I think of an ideal mom, if you'd say that. And watches over you. Does that mean your mom's perfect? Now, how many of you have stories about your mom losing you at Treasure Island Department Store, which sounds, it sounds twice as fun as the place actually is. It's like Kmart with a cool title you know that's where I was left I got left I have told you before at a campground we had five kids you know they're like they're batting 8800 if they get you know four of them in the car so it's not so bad they're not perfect but the point that we're looking at is you still arise and you call your mother blessed her husband also and he praises her and he concludes with I think some powerful words if you have not written your mother's card yet many women do noble things but you surpass them all charm is deceptive And beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. There's an impact, and I think take today, if you have not, to find someone to tell them how your mother has impacted you in a positive way. If you have not reached out, if your mother's still alive, take time, if it means forgiveness, to reach out in some way to tell them what impact in a positive way they have given you. Today's the day to do that. A mom can do amazing things. There's an amazing story of Catherine Laws. Has anyone ever heard of Catherine Laws? So Catherine Laws, 1920s, her... Sing Sing Prison, you've heard of that at least, right? New York. So Sing Sing Prison, the worst of all prisons. 1920, this is kind of the age of prison reform in this particular prison. So her husband became the warden, and the idea was you kind of just let these guys sit in these prisons. And she said, you know, I'm not going to do that. So she takes her three kids, and the first day she sits on the back, the story is, is told. And I did some research on this one. This one is true, so you don't have to worry about the disappointment at the end. Um, she sat in the front row of the basketball game with her three kids and watched the guys play basketball. Uh, one of the prisoners, he was a murderer, uh, couldn't see, so then she taught him Braille. She, she kind of lived with the prisoners. She, uh, some of them couldn't, uh, how could I say, it, speak, so she taught them sign language so that they could communicate and she got in a car accident in 1937. She did this for over 15 years. And they lived on, it was like a giant compound in Sing Sing, so the warden's house would have been over here, and then, you know, minimum to maximum security over. Uh, she got in a car accident, and um, the, warden, the, the warden didn't show up that day, so the acting warden went. And the, the way he describes it is that murderers next to robbers, next to all these people had their face pressed against the fence because her body was being laid at her house three-quarters of a mile away. So the whole prison yard is there. Men who haven't cried in years are crying because this person who was like a mother to them was uh, not there. And the warden acting, the story says, said, oh, go ahead, just be back by night. And a thousand prisoners attended her funeral and every single one of them came back that night. They're honest, upright, and doing what a mother would love. Pretty awesome story, right? Mother Teresa says, uh, you can't feed the whole world, but at least I can feed one. And for some of you, you probably aren't going to influence the whole planet of men in the world, but God has given you kids right here. And maybe it's one or two or three or five, but God has given you these kids. I talked to a mom, and she was cleaning up, and I, I asked her, like, don't you ever get sick of it? And she was like, well, kind of. Uh, but I just remember, I'm the only mom they'll probably ever have. You know, I know it gets tiring And exhausting, and there's days you just want to pull your hair out, and you're going like, "Whatever this guy's talking about, give me a break." But God has given you kids right here, so I think the two things you can give your kids: number one is contentment. Be a mom that looks at their kids and says, "I'm happy with my situation. I'm not going to be jealous of the skinnier mom, or the more together mom, or the worldly, more successful mom, and I'm not going to find my worth with looking at the heavier mom, the one who's not quite all together." the one who's not quite as successful. I'm going to be content with what God has given me. I'm going to work with my own schedule and design my house the way that I want it and just be happy with what God has given me. And number two, I couldn't quite put it as well as a, a blogger named Linda Booksta. I don't know if any of you know her. She's out of Milwaukee, someone I know. Uh, she said it this way. Uh, to be honest, I probably spend an inordinate amount of time trying to be the perfect mom. I accommodate schedules, plan weeks' worth of meals, make sure school papers and forms are signed, and have answers to life's quandaries. None of that makes me a good mom. It just makes me, just means I'm attentive to parenting details. You know what makes me a good mom? Jesus. Even if all the bills, uh, the walls I am juggling were to drop, God would still not stop loving me. In fact, he'd love me more because his love covers over a multitude of sins. Jesus paid for the times I'm impatient with my kids, even when they're getting along. He covers the times when I don't follow through on my promises. He says, today's a new day for you to spend less time on your computer and more time with your kiddos. So I can still take care of important tasks, but spend more time admitting my sins, asking for forgiveness, and being genuinely thankful for Jesus. A sinful, forgiven, grace-covered mom is ultimately the best gift I can give, the best you can give as well. A lot of mixed feelings come when we start talking Mother's Day. Some of you are so excited because you can't wait because you had such an amazing mom and you're saying, I give thanks to God every day. Some of you are disappointed because your mom wasn't all that great. Some of you are disappointed because you haven't been the mom you should have been. Some of you are disappointed because you haven't shown the thanks to your great mom that you could have. At the end of the day, it's about Jesus' love poured out to you. Pick your own situation. Figure out how can I honor God in this situation? How can I take steps forward to be a better mom, a better son, a better daughter, and a better Christian? Amen. Uh, Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you compare your love to uh, a mother. You said as a hen longs to gather the chicks, you long to gather up the people of Jerusalem. And we know that you desired to gather us up, so the Holy Spirit was sent. The Holy Spirit has given us faith. The Holy Spirit has transformed us. Help us in all our uh, difficult situations, in great situations. Help us give thanks for the amazing mothers who sacrifice so much, who are... Uh, taxi drivers and counselors and nurses all wrapped into one, uh, but also help us to, uh, in this exhausting world of pressure, not lay aside the idea of perfectionism and instead, in your grace, stand forward as mothers and daughters and sons uh, living your life for you. Amen.